This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of November 12th. I'm your host, William Lou. I'm joined um, to discuss this flawless 12-1 team, which is the best record in the NBA at this current moment, uh, by the enemy, the grand pooba of Raptors H- HQ. I forgot what, what you guys were called for a second, to be honest, you know? But uh, Dan Reynolds. How's it going? What's up? How's, how's the site? The site's doing very well. Uh, we've got a, we've got some nice we've had some nice recurring features, and uh, we're we're you know enjoying the twelve and one Toronto Raptors. I don't know if you heard the twelve and one Toronto Raptors. The twelve and one Toronto Raptors who just swept a four game road trip for the first time in franchise history. I'm a little bit surprised they've never like a four game road trip is not that long. It's like barely a week. I mean. You would mm-hmm. think the Raptors have done that before, but then you remember these are the Raptors, and this has historically been a very terrible team. And you know, this is a team that loses to Sacramento. This is a team that sometimes struggles against the Knicks on trap games. Except this season, the Raptors just we don't lose, man. We don't lose. We really don't lose. Um, that's that's really the thing. I feel like I if you ask any Raptors fan going into Phoenix right up to New York, mm-hmm. I people would have predicted like. You're going to lose that game in Utah. The game in Sacramento is a toss-up. And then the New York game, they've, they've lost games like that like a million times. Mm-hmm. And, like, and honestly, if they had gone – over those last five games, if they had gone two and three, no one would – we would have not even batted an eye. We would have just been like, yeah, yep. that sucks. But, I mean, they did that last year mm-hmm. and a million times before, even when they have been good. And it's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. But instead, they go five and oh. And it looked like they'll never lose again. Yes, uh, especially against the Knicks when the Raptors would just play like very lethargic basketball for pretty much the entire first half. And then they got serious about five minutes and all of a sudden it was a 20-point game. Um, this team is really damn good. But before we talk about the Raptors, actually, let's talk about 
the other situations going on in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers, I wouldn't say they made a panic move, but they made their all-in move, which was to go get Jimmy Butler from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I was surprised that it only cost them Robert Covington and Dario Sarge, who I think are solid players, but like are, you know, if Jimmy Butler is like a dollar, then these guys are like 25 cents. These are some quarter-ass players. And uh, I, I think it makes the Sixers more dangerous. Um, in the immediate future, what do you think? Okay, well, two things. I'm just curious. What what else? What else should it have cost them? Assuming assuming Simmons and Embiid are untouchable, what else should they have traded? I just think. Look, Covington is is very like you can have. There's a lot of Robert Covingtons out there. You know what no, I mean? He's, like he's, he's the RPM god. He's yeah. He's his RPM is great, but you don't win this game with RPM. If you're gonna play with the RPM, you're probably just gonna play Tyus Jones and Robert Covington and win every game apparently. But um. No, I think Covington's he's he's fine. I mean, he doesn't really strike me as like a shutdown defensive guy. He's more like an active, disruptive guy. Yeah. And then his three pointer is kind of inconsistent. I mean, I don't know. The Raptors got Danny Green as a throw in. You know no, what I mean? I'm, well, I'm just saying, who else should the Sixers like? Let's say if those that yeah. was if it was Sarge, Sarge and if it was Sarge and Fultz, I'd be like, okay. So you you would have you would have you would have wanted Fultz not would have wanted Fultz. Sorry, you uh-huh. thought you thought Fultz would have had to go in this deal, and and you were surprised that he didn't. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends. I think Minnesota probably Tom Thibodeau seemed like he just wants to win right now this season. It doesn't matter what else happens. Yeah, and so he probably wasn't trying to have that headache of having faults. But yeah, I don't. Anyway, think, I was just I a little bit surprised because you look at it like the, he could the Timberwolves could have got like Josh Richardson, who I think is averaging twenty points a game right now. Yeah. Um, they could have gotten those first round picks from Houston. Maybe it wasn't four, or maybe it was like. A little bit overstated that it was four first-round picks. Maybe it was like four very protective first-round picks or three yeah. more lighter, lighter protective first-round picks. But uh, just the package seemed kind of underwhelming. But, I mean, for the Sixers, um, it's a dangerous situation, right? Because I think they still have, like, shooting to, to resolve. But it's been the pro- Yeah, that's the, 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 that's the obvious problem. I mean, yeah, I just added another. Jimmy Butler is a better shooter than, obviously, a more willing shooter than Ben Simmons. But you've obviously added another guy who wants the ball in his hands and who's at his best moving around, like with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess, uh, I think I don't know where I heard this, but someone said this to me, and I, and I thought it was a very good point. They're not they're not as good of a regular season team now because they have less depth and sort of have to figure out these this dynamic. But at the same time, the Sixers in the playoffs. I mean. You've got you've got a Butler who is a very fearsome player. You've got Embiid who's tough to slow down, and you've got Simmons, who you know is a pretty unique and challenging player to stop. And then you've got some of the right complementary pieces: mm-hmm. JJ Dick, you know, TJ McConnell, whatever. I mean, last year the thing that really helped them honestly was that they managed to pick up guys like Bellinelli and, and Ilyasova. If those guys aren't out there for them this year, I don't know if this team has the same depth. I mean, I mean, maybe Wilson Chandler. Is the guy we were right? We had a post go up about this today uh, by Connor McCreary on HQ. And we were just talking about like, did this kind of help the Raptors in a way? Not help them, but you know, make it sort of clo- actually kind of close the window a little bit on what the Sixers can do. Because now you've got Butler, that means you're basically trying to commit to to signing him, mm-hmm. and so that kind of takes you completely out of the the you know the the free agency market for next summer when all these other players come up because you've got to, you have to deal with Simmons. Who you obviously want to keep, and Embiid, who you definitely want to keep. Uh, so that now this is your core, but those three players might not be the best fit together. Well, I thought, 
I thought the other very underrated angle, because I, I agree with all those things. I think it is a tricky fit and in terms of those three guys. And you're always going to need shooters to complement those three because, you know, just it is what it is. Like, it's not um, – you need a lot of shooting. And if you're three stars, if the best shooter is Jimmy Butler, then you're going to have some issues there. But I also think it kind of low-key helps the Raptors since it's just a Raptors podcast because – Man, the Clippers seem like they really want to get two two big free agents to come to Los Angeles next summer. And the Clippers were rumored to be uh, interested in the Butler thing. They ultimately didn't pull the trigger on that. But, um, you know, if, if Butler stays with the Sixers, then that's one less guy that the um, that the Clippers could go target and try to pair with Kawhi when they try to, you know, inevitably pursue him in the offseason. Which, by the way, there's a lot of Clippers propaganda. Like, every single day I'm hearing about, oh, man, they got Jerry West. Oh, wow. They got Steve Ballmer and all these Microsoft connections. I mean, like, man, everyone wants to go to the Clippers. And I'm like, just please, please, just, like, can we do this right after? Because they're like, oh, man, Lawrence Frank is such a great front office. I'm like, what? We're talking about Lawrence Frank. We're talking about Lawrence Frank. God damn. Anyway, the guy who made the guy who made scouting reports for Jason Kidd. Good job. That that guy. Um and everyone of course is dying to play with that Clippers team, which they're like, "Wow, you know, all these players want to go play with this gritty gritty team. Everyone is just playing like, you know, unselfish basketball." I'm like, "They're all free agents. Like they're all literally all free agents. If you're going to bring in guys, those guys aren't going to be around. You're not going to be able to play with Avery Bradley or Patrick Beverly or any but any regardless, as if those guys are the ones that are going to recruit people, but um in a playoff series, then, right? You look at the Sixers the way they are. I think they're probably going to add somebody in the buyout market. But let's say that it's, the roster is where they are right now. Do you think the Sixers have a better chance of beating the Raptors uh, in a playoff series with the the way the two rosters are aligned? I think they have a better chance than they did before because I do think, like like you just said, if, if Jimmy Butler is a is a dollar player, that's worth more than a pair of quarters. Mm-hmm. So, like Saric and Covington are useful players. But you, if, if, the, if this is all about having a game, a, play, a game, a team of stars, I mean, you now have just one more weapon, right? Like what, what almost undid the Raptors when they played the Sixers at the end of the month, uh, back in, at the end of October, was the two-man game between Embiid and Redick. So if you have that going on, and then you can also lean on sort of Butler doing his bully ball, and then you also have Simmons in the open floor. I mean, that's that's a lot to deal with. But mm-hmm. I, I still don't think. I honestly really don't realistically think they can beat them just because I don't think they have enough depth and because I just think they they just don't have enough shooting. Like, I just don't think – I think the Raptors can scheme around, like, what the Sixers do, and they're going to they're gonna need, like, a monster series basically from Embiid, who yeah. I don't think – like, not to say he can't get his points and yours, but I – part of me is kind of like he, he, he can get his big game, but I don't necessarily think it actually helps you win all mm. the time. And and then then on top of that, I feel like Kawhi can really erase like one or two of those guys, like Simmons and. Oh yeah, he he could take Butler, and it's not an issue at all. He destroyed Simmons, and he made Butler look like just a normal guy. Like Butler had a decent game, but he was pretty quiet. And so I mean, I don't know. Like these guys are good, but I mean, like on paper, but I still feel like the Raptors. The amount of guys that can throw at these guys. It just it's crazy. It's crazy, and all they have really not right now is like McConnell and uh, an injured Wilson Chandler, and like someone's telling me Furkan Korkmaz there. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't mm. know. If that, I don't know if that's the move. Yeah, the Sixers do have a lot of random players. I definitely agree with yeah. that. 
yeah. Furkan Korkmaz being one of the most random ones. Um, I, I I would only say with the Sixers is that like defensively they're they're just terrifying. I think actually offensively it might actually work better long term if they kind of just like reduce Ben Simmons' importance, which. That's tricky because he's not very good off the ball. He hasn't played off the ball basically his entire life, and he doesn't look good screening or anything like that. Like, there's gonna be a lot of, um, yeah. it's gotta be a lot of uh, practice that goes into that, and I think that's probably something they can do next year or even down the line. But um, if they just basically run the team like the, Simmons wasn't really a factor, and it was really just Embiid and um, Jimmy Butler running pick and roll. That scares me way more than anything else. Right, because I think Ben Simmons as a half court player just it does not have it right now. He just doesn't, that, man. But that's the but that's the issue. Will. If 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 you're doing pick and rolls with those two players, you're right that that's very scary. But Ben Simmons can't space the floor for them at all. So I don't know how that like I don't know how you I don't know how you balance the team if you're going to give a max contract to Jimmy Butler or you're going to try to because you've just made this trade. But you're the other back, his other backcourt, the other backcourt player is a guy who can't shoot and wants the ball in his hands. I, I just don't know how that makes sense, how that works. Yeah. I'm I mean, gonna... it, it, it didn't really make sense before. That's the, that's the whole thing with the Sixers, right? Like this whole, this whole team, they have talent. And I think defensively, like, like, like I, to say what, to continue what I said earlier, like they're going to be an elite defensive club, like maybe the best defense in the league. Like that's how good they should be, right? And beat is, um, I would say he's even better than Gobert around the basket. He really is. He's so physical. He's so strong. Whereas I think at least with someone like Gobert, like we've seen JV have success basically by being stronger and then just going into the guy and playing through the post that way. But um, this team is going to be great defensively, and I think they could probably defend the Raptors pretty well. But offensively, I just think they're still going to be a bit of a mess. And uh, it's, it's still dangerous, I think. I think actually Philadelphia and Boston – with the way they are right now, that is a really fun series to me. Because I don't think Boston has um, enough secondary scoring, really, uh, to basically you know beat the Sixers with the way they did last year, which they were a little bit lucky to beat them in five. Should have been a little bit longer of a series. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, let's talk about our team. Let's talk about our team. The Sixers are whatever. Like They're 8-6 and six right now. They have a negative point differential, Like and they're going to have to – they're going to have to make the personalities work. I think that's also one part where, you know, Simmons is a strong personality. Embiid is probably the strongest personality in the league outside of LeBron. Uh, and then you got Jimmy Butler, who is, I don't know. Crazy. He's a little bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I respect that <laughs> to a certain extent. I respect the competitive fire. I have a bit of that juice myself, if, if we're being honest. But yeah. yeah. At the same time, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Everybody wants the ball. I don't know how it works. Yeah, I've anyway, seen I've seen you yell at Sasha for not setting a good screen, calling him soft. You can't. I whoa, whoa, whoa! I never said that. He's my pick and roll partner. He's he is the Embiid to my Simmons. He's more like the Tristan Thompson to my George Hill. Yeah, you're more like George Hill. You know, you're more like Chris Paul. You're honestly, your demeanor is completely Chris Paul. I'll be honest with you. I, lately, I've been thinking about this. Yeah, I, I really, I really, I want to aspire to be Kyle Lowry. And I, wow. and I when I say that, and I, when I say that, here's what I, here's what I'm going to say. Yeah, I really lately I've been thinking about it. I really do try to because uh, Chris Paul, there's no there's no humor to his game. No, he's just a dickhead. There's no humor to his game. And I was thinking about this yesterday because I was playing yesterday in the afternoon, and I was thinking about how like yeah, I try. I mean, I'm playing with people that I don't really know that well. I mean, people I play with every week, but. I, you know, I, I try not to get too mad, and I don't, because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, the spirit's light. I might sort of chirp guys and joke around, 
And I feel like that's kind of what Lowry's doing right now. Lowry is playing at an ultra high competitive level. Yep. He is getting he'll get he'll get on refs, he'll get on, you know, his, his teammates, he'll get on opponents. But at the same time, you can tell he does it with a bit of a there's a sense of humor there, and he never shows it to the average media. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he, he's not gonna he, he doesn't give the, the the local media very much, but you can tell that he has a sense of humor about like he about about the game and like how to approach it because that's like I mean that's sort of his edge. Like he's he's just going at it and he's going all out. And I really appreciate that. Yep. What a what a great transition, man. Kyle Lowry deserves a lot of love. For the way he's playing right now, I think he's still leading the league in assists. Although they have come down in recent games, yeah. um, but I mean, Kyle has been phenomenal. Kawhi gave him praise for saying that Kyle has been basically carrying the team, and you know, when Kawhi learns more of the offense, he's going to be featured more prominently. But look, we've talked about Kyle, we've talked about Kawhi all season. They've been great. The two other guys, though, that we really need to focus on are the young guys, uh, Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. Um, OG of late really has come on a little bit stronger. Um, you know, 17 points against Utah, 11 against Sacramento, and then 16 against the Knicks. Um, are, what are you seeing that's new in OG's game? Well, obviously the big thing with him is, is can he, can he create with the ball? I think last season you saw a couple of things. He was finding himself open for threes mm-hmm. and whether or not he, whether or not he hit them was like, you know, obviously, any, any to me, any three open three hits is a bonus. That's what was the case last year. And when he shot thirty seven percent, I was like, "Oh, that's great." But we'll see how steady that is. And obviously, it's going down. It's gone down a little bit, but his attempts have gone up this year so far. So that's that's not great. But at the same time, you want him taking those shots because oftentimes that's the offense he's going to find. Then the second thing he was showing last year that that obviously is still sort of around is his cut, his ability to sort of read the cuts and make and make some some pretty good sort of uh, get, get into space a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the, the big sort of knock on his game has been like, can he, can he create off the dribble? Can he create any sort of separation? Can he, get a, can, he, can he hit a jumper, you know, a step back on the move, any sort of thing like that? And you're seeing a little bit more of that where he's obviously been confident. I, think I just saw a highlight on Twitter just a second ago where he just kind of like, you know, a couple of dribbles and then mm-hmm. step back, long two. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that's not, maybe the long two isn't the best shot, but the point is the comfort level you're seeing with that is really quite something because that I feel like, you know, your swing man, that's what you want. You're getting that already, obviously like automatically from Kawhi and, and that's what you, that's sort of the next thing. Cause right now with OG, obviously there is a bit of, you know, you can hound him a little bit and he's not exactly the best ball handler. So if he gets yeah. to that level, well now we're, now you really got to be scared, scared because you got him, Pascal, who's shown, you know, leaps and bounds of skill, you know, both hands making things happen. And Pascal then course, is a yeah, revelation, I mean, man. <laughs> well, it's, it's crazy, not not to get off OG, but it's crazy to consider that two years ago, he, Pascal Siakam, wait, was it two years ago? Yeah, two yeah. years ago. He started for, for the Raptors. You, we really couldn't wait to get him out of We couldn't of wait to get Jared Sullinger healthy and out of that little scooter yeah. that he was riding around. Yeah. And and really, they, the Raptors needed him to play. And you just saw these little flashes, like he's the fastest guy in the league. He's got a ton of hustle. Yeah. But, see, you couldn't really rely on him. And there were a lot of times where he just kind of got the ball and was like, here I go. And you're like, oh, good luck. Yeah. And then, obviously, he couldn't shoot at all. Now, he still can't really shoot, notwithstanding going, you know, three for four from three last uh, yesterday. Look, if your career high is three three-pointers, you can't shoot. Yeah, I mean, look, that the offense, you know, the offense will 
will will will give Siakam those corner threes that he generates. But at the same time, now if you give him that space and let him get that head of steam, it's it's kind of like going back to Simmons. Kind of like this, it's turning into a similar thing where if he gets that head of steam, it suddenly makes him a dangerous player. He's so mm-hmm. good at like getting to the rim, not getting a charge, but getting to the rim, making something happen. And if he doesn't get a bucket. He gets a foul, or he or he finds another he finds another lane and finds a pass to someone else who gets an easy bucket for themselves. Yeah, it's really impressive. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, just the, the last thing that I said about OG really is just like, look, I think during summer league he um, really got more of a chance to sort of show his repertoire, and I think he struggled a lot doing that because it, it, it was very clear it was overextended. But like, that's the exact point of sending a guy like that to summer league because he's already proven. He can be an effective three and D guy. He can hold up over the course of a season. He showed that in his rookie year. He started for basically the entire year. You know, it was great in that role. And now he's going back to the bench. But in order for him to go back to the bench, like he needs to basically show, um, make that time productive and and use uh, the opportunity to have more, just be more aggressive in the in the second unit because like second unit could use some offense, right? Like CJ Miles just continues to be like unplayable, uh, oh. and Norm's now hurt. Like they could have always used OG to you know. This is the best opportunity for him to to showcase that those skills, and um, it's nice that he's doing that more often. I still think that um, he's not really going to be a guy that initiates too much, but to be honest, I didn't think that you know Pascal had that in him either. And and going back to Pascal, he is just that spin move that he does. That mm-hmm. spin move is like he's spinning over big guys, he's spinning over little guys. Like he's always able to create uh, separation. He doesn't really get called for charges, which is. Uh, strange for a guy who's playing so fast and who's so big. He's got great yeah. body control, and um, I think I think the scoring touch is going to be there kind of all season because defenses are always going to key in on Kawhi. They're always going to key in on Kyle, and they've the Raptors have always needed that third score. And you know, Serge can do that a little bit. You know, JD when he plays with starters, he can do that. But they need another guy who can create, and um, that's Pascal right now. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really the thing when you're looking at the mix and match lineups that the Raps can do now. Obviously when you have Kyle and Kawhi out there, you're always gonna have an alpha dog guy who can create a shot. Mm-hmm. But they but they've long been they long I mean that was why Serge Ibaka we sort of like went down on him really quickly because we realized because we realized that like he was a guy that as much as he's maybe a third big name, he's not really a guy you can give the ball to and say, okay, make something happen. Even though he's shooting lights out. You need that guy that can create a shot and create offense. I mean, that's why we were going crazy for Fred Van Vliet last year because all of a sudden yeah. we had this, this guy out of nowhere who wildly, you know, you could trust him with the ball and he could make something happen. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're relying on, you know, uh, him, you know, as heavily as they, it felt like the Raptors were last year, that's a bit of a problem. So if you've got Pascal now bringing up the rear and then OG, uh, you know, and Delon even showing a little more, uh, you know, confidence in that regard, it really does make the Raptors considerably scarier. Um, in that regard. Yeah, and I look, I think it makes the Raptors more balanced, too, because I think that's the one issue I have the Raptors' offense. I think playoff time, it's so much easier to stop and focus one guy, and then Kyle is not really necessarily a consistent scorer to the point where, you know, if you need extra from Kyle, he can always give it to you. Like, I think you need, you know, you need to be able to be versatile and play different styles, and I think, um, you know, Pascal has given them this style which look the Raptors are playing a lot more in the post this year which I really like that about the Raptors because you know it's like kind of easy to play run and gun offense in the regular season and you can get away with that for very very long stretches and it can be effect- effective and efficient for you but it, we don't know in the playoffs it's it's more it slows down more there's more defensive attention and the more 
ways that you can score more players on the floor that are comfortable creating a shot, the better. And I think that's where that's where Pascal and, and to a lesser extent OG really come into play. Um, before we head into the break and take some Twitter questions, let's preview the upcoming week in which the Raptors, it's going to be an eventful week, all right? Monday, Raptors take on the New Orleans Pelicans at home. Um, the Pelicans have been struggling mightily after a very hot start. Uh, Anthony Davis has, uh, you know, had some in- injury things, and, you know, he wasn't as effective uh, in-, in recent weeks, although he's starting to pick it back up again. Um, the Raptors have, generally speaking, been pretty successful with Anthony Davis, and so for that reason, I think the Raptors are going to do well in this game and get another win. Uh, what say you, Reynolds? Well, Alexis Zajinka is not on the Pelicans anymore. Oh, God. Remember so, when, yeah, it was so him I, and uh, so I think we should Tyreek. Be... They killed us. Oh, yeah. 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 It's surprising. Uh, it, it, it did feel like the Pelicans were getting ready to turn a corner. But, uh, I mean, that combination, Drew Holiday-Davis, even Julius Randle in there, mm-hmm. it's kind of surprising. Yeah, I'm looking up some, some, recent, some recent, I mean, they just smoked the Suns. But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm feeling good about them. Again, being, you can't really contain Anthony Davis, but... Being able to throw, you know, as much attention at him as as, as the Raptors can with Serge, with Pascal, yeah, uh, you know, even just having Jonas in there to bang, you know, bang bodies down low. I mean, that, as you talked about defensively too, the Raptors have a, a great versatility. And if you're Anthony Davis and you're coming into this game and you know you you have to deal with a million different guys coming at you, and every time you're trying to make a play from the high post or the low post, there's hands coming in to try and poke the ball away, or there's bodies banging into you. Over time, that that wears you down, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm looking at it mostly in terms of the Raptors' front court. Yeah. Matches up perfectly with New Orleans' front court. I think Serge is a guy who's ideal in terms of guarding AD. I mean, AD is still going to get his, like, probably 30 and 10. But, you know, Serge is going to be able to control that in a single uh, coverage kind of setting. Um, I think Pascal is the perfect kind of guy to guard Miritich. He just has to be a little bit less jumpy about the the, the pump fakes because Miritich will pump fake. But, um you know, we saw what uh, what Pascal did to Bielitsa, who was on fire, and then he ran into Pascal and went scoreless. Uh, and I also think Pascal can really take it to Miritich on offense. And uh, and then when you come off the bench, you got, you know, Randall, who's a bully down low. But then you got JV, who is such a big body that it's hard to bully him. It's way easier to play pick and roll against him. And so, yeah, I think that's going to be a win. The Raptors match up really nicely. And then the guards are, man, it's not close. <laughs> With all due respect to Drew Holiday, who's a really good player, but it, it's not close. So I think... We both agree that the Pelicans game is a win. Wednesday, Mr. Pound the Rock returns home for the first time as a member of the Detroit Pistons. Dwayne Casey and his dad hats. Um, I wonder if uh, his family is still living out here in Toronto. I hope they've, you know, decided to do so because Detroit doesn't seem as nice. But uh, what do you think the reception is going to be for Dwayne Casey? Well, let me just say this. If you're booing Dwayne Casey. Yeah, you got no heart, man. Come on. Get the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> so many people that are still still commenting. I see, you know, snide Twitter asides are talking uh-huh. about how, well, Dwayne Casey would have done this. I, I'll be honest with you, my own writers we have at HQ, sometimes I'm I'm softening language because they're <clears throat> guys are still very, not anti Dwayne Casey, but they're, they sort of are like, well, you know, he probably wouldn't have made this adjustment, that adjustment, this adjustment. And I'm like, well, guys, I mean, we're really missing the force for the trees here. Dwayne Casey did a lot with what he had and went up quite a ways. Yeah. Because, Dwayne never had this much talent, man. Well, uh, but it's also like, like, like Pascal and OG and these guys becoming the players they are now. I mean, that didn't just happen overnight. It's not like, it's not like Dwayne Casey was holding Pascal Siakam back. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's, 
And even like something like the JV surge, like, oh, playing surge at the center. It's like, wow, why didn't they think of that sooner? It's like, well, last year they had three other centers on the roster. So yeah. you had to play surge at the power forward. Like, like it was a fortuitous turn of events that they sort of, it all just kind of fell into place and it made sense now. But it's not like this is like rocket science. It was partly because yeah, that's the roster they had. And Dwayne Casey did the best he could with the roster they had. Yeah. That's... Well, I'm, I'm not anti-Dwayne Casey and I think, I think no, he's should, too nice of a man to be anti Dwayne Casey, man. Yeah, Come on. I think he should get a very warm reception. I hope they give him some little video tri- tribute. Oh, yeah. I, I hope it includes uh, a montage of folksy adages. Oh, please. I hope he goes, I hope he talks to Doug Smith before the game. And I hope he says it's a Maker Meese League, Doug. Well, I, well, Doug. I, I can't say that. <sighs> but, uh, but, but I w- it will be exciting to sort of, um, <clears throat> Sort of like before the game, uh, you know, we have the there's the coach, the two coach scrums, and it's gonna be fun because it's gonna be Nick Nurse and then it's gonna be Dwayne Casey, and it's like all the same old the same people gonna talk to him, and of course he knows everyone's first names, and you know it's that's I don't know it'll be cool, it'll be cool. Yeah, I I think it's also gonna be great uh, theater just because uh, you know there was some bad blood between. Nick Nurse and Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey coming out in a interview, I think before the season or the very start of the season, saying that, hey man, you know, uh, Nick Nurse never reached out to me and never congratulated. And he's like, well, you know, if they think he's the right man, then I guess he's the right man, that kind of stuff. So, um, I don't know. I've heard different things about about that. I, I okay. My big thing is that, that Dwayne Casey didn't thank him. He thanked, uh, when, he, when he accepted the Coach of the Year award, uh-huh. he, thanked, uh, he thanked, uh, what's his face, um, Rex, T Rex, Calamian. Thanks. He thanked Rex, uh-huh. and and then I don't. I think that was the only guy he named, like uh, on the Raptors staff. Like, so that I, was the only guy loyal to him, huh? Think, he only got T Rex, Calamian in his corner. What about the rest of the guys? What about well, Jim Son? I'm trying to remember. I I don't think he thanked. Like I, you know, it's like obviously he's not going to go way back and start be thanking Tom Sterner or whatever. But no, I think that, that was the only great. Raptors guy he he thanked, like uh, in terms of like the coaching. And I thought, I mean, you know, we're all sitting here trying to read into whatever. I mean, I don't know. Like, is Dwayne Casey that, like, part of me is like, look, he got another job immediately. Yeah, and he got a great job. Great, he's well paid. It's the Detroit, like, it's not a great team, but, like, he got a lot of money to do that job, and it's great ownership. Like, I don't know how mad you can be. I I, I, I get it. It sucks that, like, I get for your pride, it kind of sucks because two things. One is... You get blamed a little bit for mm-hmm. the, the Raptors' failure when it's obviously not wow. really, not entirely your fault. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not your fault LeBron James exists. It's not your fault that like Demar Derozan isn't as good as LeBron James, etc. Yeah. And then, and then it's not on your top- fault that Raptors HQ people have a hard hard on for you. Okay. And then, <laughs> and then, and then the other thing is, is that of course you know you get fired, and then they make this trade that like you know Dwayne, Dwayne Casey could have coached Kawhi Leonard, and you know all kinds of exciting things could have happened with that. Like who knows, right? Like. It's not like I don't know. It's like the team is better this year. It's like, well, yeah, the team's better because the younger players that he helped grow are better, and mm. you know, because they got Kawhi Leonard. So I mean, I don't know. It's it, I know people are making a big deal about like Demar Derozan getting traded and like, well, how does Kyle Lowry feel about that? But it's like, you know, a lot of the growth that Kyle Lowry had over the last few years was because he and Dwayne Casey like figured each other out and figured out how to push each other mm. in the best ways. And I and I don't I think if if someone asks Lowry about that, I'm sure he'll have. Very nice words to say about the whole situation. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. In terms of the basketball itself, we're going to beat the Pistons. Oh yeah, yeah. That's gonna be, I feel I feel bad for Pascal in that game because he has to deal with Blake Griffin the whole night. But uh, at least he could probably score twenty back on him the other way. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not worried about the Pistons. I don't know, man. I'm worried about Blake Griffin. Remember that? Uh, that remember that OT game, which obviously ended with Demar dunking on Tolliver. Very memorable moment. Yes. But, um, man. Blake Griffin was a monster in that one. He just so the Raptors couldn't stop him at all, and a lot of that actually was against Pascal. So, um, I, I don't know. I'm not really interested in that matchup because I don't think that's ever going to matter. Like they're not going to play each other in the playoffs. But, um, anyway, the Raptors. I think we we both agree that's a win. Then the interesting thing happens uh, is on Friday the Raptors go to Boston for probably the toughest test of the season to play the Boston Celtics. Um, the Celtics will be returning from a road trip and, uh, it's just hard to play the Celtics on the road. It really is. I always feel like the calls in Boston are always just impossible to get. Like you just can't get a fair whistle in Boston. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go on my time, Tommy Heinsohn shit, but like, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they, I, I don't know if they hear Tommy or I, I don't know what it is. Maybe they hear the chants from the crowd and whatever they say, but it's a tough game. It's a tough game. Plus, the Celtics, I just think, are way better defensively at home. And they're just a very good defensive club overall. I feel like this is like you're moving into like reverse jinx territory. Mm. You're, you're talking about the Celtics like they're like the, the, the 96 Bulls. Oh, no, uh, no. Come on, man. They lost to – who did they lose to? We'll see. What, what are they right now? They are 7-5, they are and, and I consi- I think that – They that needed Bucks- a miracle to beat the Suns. Yeah, I, I think that Bucks game that the Raptors lost is what has, and that one was really unfortunate because they could play without Giannis. I'm still terrified of the Bucks. I'm not yeah, as worried too. about the Celtics. I feel like the Celtics. Mm, okay. Like, I'll be honest with you. I feel like the 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 Celtics and the Raptors match up fairly well, and I feel like you, I think you mentioned it. It's a bit of a toss up to a certain extent, but I feel like uh, you know the Raptors going to have will probably have home court advantage in the playoffs, and I feel like. You know, it's funny if if things hold the way they are right now, you'd see them in the second round if they beat the Sixers. Jesus which, Christ! Uh, well, it wouldn't of, be the Raptors if we didn't have to play the hardest road to get anywhere. Well, yeah, good right. Lord. The Raptors have to play the Nets in the first round, and then they have to play the Celtics in the second round. But I'll be honest with you, the Bucks are uh, there. I mean, I know you were talking about how, the, but they give up a lot of threes. But I mean, yeah, they played really I, well against Golden State, though. But I think Golden State just didn't play pick and pop. That's yeah. a weird thing. Like Golden State has this strange thing where they just don't want to play pick and roll ever, which is just weird. Because I think the Bucks are susceptible in pick and roll, but I don't know, man. This is a pretty good team. The Bucks are. Um, but I mean, what do you think with the Celtics game? I'm going to call it a loss just because the Raptors have to lose sometime, and it feels like sure. in Boston seems a reasonable sure. time to lose. But uh, I could also see it being a win, you know. I mean, at this point, like you know, we were talking about this at the, off the top. Okay, the Raptors, it feels like there are certain games coming up that's like, well, that's a schedule loss. That's, you know, mm-hmm. you're going on the road, you're taking a Boston team that's coming back home and is like fired up. Yeah. Uh, okay, sure, fine. Yeah, it wouldn't be the worst thing if they lost that game because, I mean, you can't win them all, et cetera. But, I mean, we, the, uh, there are games where it seemed like that was the case, and all of a sudden the Raptors are up by 20. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like they played them very well the first time in the season. Uh, hey, man, Serge had a great game. Yeah, and, but then, then again, Serge has had way better games after that. I remember after doing that, uh, recapping the game, and I'm like, man, Serge is not going to have another game like this all year. And then he had like a bunch of thirty pieces. Yeah, I mean, they the 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 Raptors and Celtics just match up fairly well, and yeah. and 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 uh, like Serge playing very well. Uh, like, I mean, I don't see what I mean, I don't see Horford or or Aaron Baines suddenly slowing him down to a certain extent. I don't know. I I feel like maybe I should be more worried about this, but. 
I don't know, it's like 12 and 1. The Raptors just coasting along and they're doing their thing. Like, and it still okay. feels like figuring things out. Okay, so it sounds like you're saying it's a win. Say it's a win. Yeah, I'll say it's a win. Okay, all right. And then uh, the Raptors finished the week in Chicago playing the Chicago Bulls. There's nothing to say here. The Chicago Bulls are just completely terrible. I hope Jabari Parker plays minutes because Jabari is so bad right now. Man, what happened to that guy? Holy cow. He just doesn't care about defense at all. Like, I, I really respect it because he hasn't really, like, done anything in the league to, like, be one of those guys who's like, yeah, you know, I'm James Harden. I don't care about defense. And it's like, well, okay, yeah. you're James Harden. That's fine. But Jabari Parker is a guy who, uh, he just plays hilarious defense, man. He looks like Le- he looks like 34-year-old LeBron playing regular season defense. I have seen some hilarious, I've definitely seen some hilarious uh, yeah. highlights uh, where it just, you, they, they center, they zero in on like Jabari's positioning or his activity. Uh, one in particular that I saw recently was someone driving right past him. He's at the elbow mm. and, and he basically watches the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you can sort of see his thought process like, well, that's not my man. My man's out here at the three-point line, so I got to make sure nothing happens to that guy. But at the same time, you're like, watch the Raptors play defense. Anytime someone drives by Danny Green, Danny mm. Green takes a step and swings his hand. Mm. And you know what? The Raptors have been coming up with a lot of steals because they've been digging out those kind of dribble penetration moves. And, like, Jabari Parker is not doing that. And mm. when you couple him with Space Cadet Zach Levine, it's like, good luck. Yeah. Good. I think Pascal might go for 30 in that one. Well, who's going to stop him? I mean, yeah, they have, like, one and a half good defenders. Perfect. Uh, I think in Wendell Carter, who's a rookie, and like, yeah. I, I think Chris Dunn's out too. So I, I don't know, man. That's a win. That's a win. So yeah. uh, okay. you're saying a four and zero week. I'm saying a three and one week. Um, right. I'll take it either way. But uh, yeah. let's take a quick break right here, and then when we come back, we will empty out this mailbag. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Is your insurance company forcing you to go back to work when your doctors say you can't? If this sounds familiar, look no further than my law firm. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the second half of the Raptors Weekly Podcast. Still here with Dan Reynolds. Uh, We're going to take your Twitter questions. The first one comes from Shashank, who asks, Is Jorge Velaca the best center in the NBA? And then he uh, included a Photoshop of uh, a merge between um, JV and Serge Ibaka's faces. Uh, and this is an audio medium, so it's very difficult to describe this. But I very, very, very much um, suggest people go look him up. He looks a lot like, if, if, you're, if you're an EPL fan, he looks a lot like Alexandre uh, Lacazette. He looks a lot like Lacazette, like a, a lighter Lacazette, but... Um, Anyway, the Raptors, we're getting a lot of production from center. <laughs> Did you think Serge was going to be this good? Honestly, I'm, I'm almost scared to talk about it because I don't want to jinx it because I feel like I feel like Serge is one of those guys sometimes he starts hitting shots and then he starts really hunting for a shot. And uh, like there were a couple of games there where I was like, the Serge Ibaka experience needs to slow down a little bit mm. because when he is hitting shots, it looks great. And it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But I, I get a little shook sometimes because – he does try to sometimes do too much. Now that being said, sometimes he, that being, that being <laughs> this year, this year they've been putting him in a cha- in better positions to succeed. Uh huh. I mean, pick and pop jumpers and like plays at the rim. His finishing is nuts. Yeah, That's he's not he's not drawing he's not drawing he's not like uh, trying to he's not drawing charges. He's not you know he's he's finding sometimes the the pass to make although not that often. So it, it is remarkable. I hope that it can last. 
and uh, I honestly don't want to. I don't want to jinx it. I just hope. I hope it can last. That's it. Hmm. I think it will last, and, and for, only for the simple sense that, like, I think his percentages can come down a little bit, but um, you know. Defenses are always going to focus in. This is the same Pascal argument, man. Defenses are always going to focus in on Kyle and Kawhi, and you know you're going to have to give up something. And they're going teams are going to basically give up, you know, Serge and Pascal. And when they do that, those guys are going to score. Like the Raptors, this is this is what this is a part of being a balanced team is that you know you can't be fully stopped. And I, that's was probably my biggest concern about the offense this coming to the season. And uh, the Raptors have done great to uh, alleviate those concerns. Yeah, that's fair. And then JV. I mean, holy crap. JV is the most efficient player on a per-minute basis in quite some time. He he is, in, in a sense, the fact that he is so comfortable with now like playing with basically a, a different squad of players mm-hmm. coming off the bench, mostly coming off the bench. And, like, you don't hear a peep out of him in terms of, like, you know, he's been the starter. He's been the starting center. No, no questions asked for years. And it's yep. just like, okay, JB, you're coming off the bench and you're going to have to learn how to do pick and rolls now with Fred Van Vliet. And mm-hmm. that's life. And he's just gone like, okay, let's do it. And, you know, and your yep. minutes might come down too. And it's like, all right, let's do it. Playing a career low in minutes right now. Yeah. But you also scoring a career high in points. And yeah. I think, you know what? It's it's great that the Raptors developed all these extra skills for him because now he um, he's now the featured player and he could actually showcase his entire skill set. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. They, you know, J- Nick Nurse, part of the JV hive. He really is. He just didn't give JV minutes. He just gave JV a lot more opportunities within uh, on permanent basis. Well, I guess that's a good compromise. Uh, next one from Raps Fan 1237. Seen some talk about an East Arms race with the Butler deal. What's the Raptors' upgrade spot if they wanted to, other than buying out CJ from GoDaddy? Uh, first oh. off, yeah, please, please. Please, man, just please, just someone convince CJ to drop that GoDaddy money um, because it's just not worth it, man. I mean, I was at the ACC on Saturday, and CJ, it was like a 20, 25-point game, and CJ finally hit a wide-open three. He had been really struggling, and this is against the Knicks where everyone was playing well, and CJ finally hit a three, and the crowd went nuts as if he was Markel Fultz, and I'm like, man, that's that just shouldn't happen. First thing, here's what I'm going to say about CJ. Yeah. If, if there was ever any doubt about the GoDaddy curse, uh, this settles it. Because oh, yeah. he, was, he was automatic last year. Mm-hmm. And there were there were some bouts of, this is when he was dealing with, like, dental problems. Mm-hmm. And, like, he had a, his first baby. And, like, just lots of stuff's going on. But there were, and he had a little, a little bit of ups and downs in the season. But there, were, there was a stretch there where he was, like, automatic. There was almost no one you'd rather have taking a quick three-pointer than CJ Miles. I still believe he can come back from whatever is going on. Uh, he can break the curse. That's what I'm going to say. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know what I don't know what to do with him. And in terms of what the Raptors have to do to, uh, in terms of arms race, I'm kind of stumped on that one too because I feel like the only real thing they would need maybe is rebounding front court help. But they kind mm-hmm. of have that. They just haven't been playing. They haven't been playing Greg Monroe. Like he's there to be that big man they need off the bench and they don't play him. So I don't know what I don't know where the minutes would go and what you who you'd upgrade. What spot would you upgrade? Uh I agree it's probably in the front court. I would pro- like like I hate saying this name over and over again, but like if Tristan Thompson were, were to become available oh. through buyout or something like that, oh. I would love to like grab a Tristan Thompson type who can defend sort of all scenarios like Surge, but then instead of providing offense can just like securely defensive rebound. Like I think 
there are certain matchups, and I'm thinking about Al Horford in particular, where I would love to have Tristan Thompson. Oh, yeah, he kills Horford. He yeah. destroys. That's it. That's all. The only that's that's pretty much it. I mean, the rest of the, the team is is set, and I don't think Masai wants to make any more trades. No, I, I honestly I don't think I, like again it goes back to just like where are the minutes and like, who whose minutes mm-hmm. are 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 on the floor where you're like oh get this guy off the floor. The only guy is Miles in yep. terms of you know you you don't really have to play him, but at the same time it's like you take him away and add what like who is it you'd rather have there that does that much more? I don't know because again you have already a. Nine or ten man rotation, so it's like, yeah. what, what else do you need? Like, you need Miles to play during the regular season, just so you can eat up fifteen minutes a game. But in the playoffs, yeah. if he if he's not working, just don't play him. That's fine. Yeah, and I wouldn't really call what Philadelphia did an arms race type of thing. I think they had legitimate issues, and they went out and tried to address those issues. The Raptors don't really have those issues, so it's it's you know what I mean. Like, they don't have the same impetus to go and get a guy like that, which yeah. you know, the Raptors already got their. They're Jimmy Butler. His name is Kawhi Leonard. He's way better. I don't know if you heard. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard is a Toronto Raptor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's some Next questions question. about the future of this Raptors team in terms of. Ra- I mean, look, we could think about that after the season, man. Um, okay. What, okay. So this one from Killer Pascal. What do you make of David Locke's theory that Nurse is letting all our bad shooters only take threes, while twos is strictly for Kyle, Kawhi, and Serge? I, I I don't I don't really know this theory by David Locke. Um, yeah, I mean, the first off, I mean, like, what about JV? I, I think he's talking about the the Lockdown Podcast Network guy. Oh, yeah, but um, I, I don't want to talk about anyone from Utah. Never mind. Let's just keep going. <laughs> oh, wow! Wow! Oh, why? 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 Oh, there you go. Some uh, Utah reporters. Uh, Hadn't heard. I wouldn't really call them a reporter either. Oh, okay. uh, man. Come on, come on. <laughs> uh, what? What are what are these questions? Who's better, Pete Kyle or Pete Kawhi? Are you serious? I love Pete Kyle, but come on, man. Pete Kawhi is uh, basically uh, an all-world. He's Galactus. He's basically just back and forth. No, you, the thing with Kyle, Kyle at his best. He he's at his best because he's a, he's a <laughs> he can orchestrate a team. Kawhi at his best basically scores everything is, is impossible to stop, and then on top of that annihilates the best player on the other team, just mm. wrecks both ways. I mean, Kyle can sort of do that, but it, it's in a more subtle way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's useful, and they're, obviously they're, it's complementary when you have a guy like Kawhi. It's very useful to have them two to, together. But yeah, Pete Kawhi is definitely the best player. Go. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, look at this. Look at this disrespectful question from. Happy no? Is Dwayne Casey the new Mark Jackson? Or, or, come on, guys. Yo, Mark Jackson is like, just look up. Mark Jackson is like the kind of guy that will go on the street and like rant at people. All um, you have to know about Mark come Jackson. Come on, man. All you have to know about Mark Jackson is that he got fired and no teams hired him to be a coach. Literally nobody. And he likely will never be another a head coach again. Yo, the so Knicks looked at Mark Jackson and were like, you know what? We're good. Yeah, when we got happens, Jeff Hornacek, we're good. When that happens, you know that. And he's a former Nick. Yeah, a great one at that. Former Raptor. Oh yeah, was he actually? Mark Jackson. Tell me more about these older days. I do not Mark. remember Mark Jackson on the Raptors. I'll be honest with you, Mark Jackson. I always forget how long he played because they they traded him for Chris Childs. Oh, okay. Um, but it's like it's very the it's like they brought him in. I don't even think he played a full season. I always forget the the 
he was supposed to be the guy, mm-hmm. and, and then Alvin Williams was playing behind him, but then they flipped it around and, tr- and traded him uh, back to, let me see here, I'm looking this up. They traded him back to New York and got Chris Childs. Mm. So he was on the Knicks, then he was on the Clippers, and then he was on, famously on the Pacers when they had those, yeah. those solid late 90s teams. And then he then he gets flipped to Toronto, plays 54 games. Well, that's they, why I don't remember him. <laughs> yeah, and then they traded him to the Knicks for Chris Childs, who was a very good like backup point guard for the Raptors. Uh, so, and then Alvin Williams sort of got his chance to shine. And then, of course, Childs screwed up so thoroughly in the 2002 series against the Pistons. Mm. And, uh, the Raptors are never the same for about a decade. Anyway, moving on. This is why we have you on the podcast. Yeah. Grandpa Reynolds telling oh, us yeah. about the older days. That was a good, those are <laughs> some good times there. Yeah, I mean, look, man. Dwayne Casey's not Mark Jackson, man. Come on. I know, I know what they're trying to say. Like, okay, well, you know, there's a coach that establishes a culture. And then another coach comes in and, like, establishes a, a scheme or whatever. But, like, first off, there's an issue with that. I mean, shout out to our guy, um, I, Jacob. What's his last name? To the Warriors guy, J.G. Oh, uh, Greenberg. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Jacob Greenberg. Yeah, so he he wrote a, a piece on this on the disc where like first off the discourse on black coaches is very different than the discourse on white course coaches. It's always assumed that the white coaches are like the very brilliant ones, and then the the, mm-hmm. the black coaches are there to establish culture and everyone to get along and get them on the same page and motivate people, which is I think very very discrediting in the first place. And I think that gets applied to Dwayne Casey a lot, but like Dwayne did more than just establish a culture in Toronto. I really do think that. Uh, you talk about the p- development of the players. I think that is something that we're going to be reaping the rewards of that for a long time. And yeah, um, yeah. I mean, look, you might you might have not liked Dwayne Casey for not maximizing the roster. I mean, look, we've had lots of criticism of Dwayne Casey on this podcast, right? Yeah. But to call him Mark Jackson is completely completely different. That's the bottom line. I think I think a coach like Jackson was useful for the Warriors because when he came in, they had like yeah. no sort of. No culture, no system. Nothing. They need to play defense, and like he got them to really play defense. They were elite defensively because of Mark. But and that's fine. But yeah. then of course he was way behind the times, and he couldn't figure out what he had. And mm-hmm. he was running post ups for Jermaine O'Neal in like 2013, which is insane. The and Raptors, Jared Jack. Yeah, Raptors fans could tell you that was an insane idea back in 2010. So, uh, <laughs> like you know, it was so, terrible. Yeah. So so I mean like. Dwayne Casey is not that. You could no. definitely argue that he couldn't get his teams to maybe the ultimate, ultimate level. Mm-hmm. But so few coaches can do that. And so few coaches have the luxury of sort of being, being in that situation where everything cl- clicks. So, you know, Steve Kerr, obviously, we, we look at him and go, well, he unlocked the Warriors' magic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mark Jackson will surely tell you that, you know, the what was his line there? The caterpillar has to become the oh, butterfly. Yeah. You can't disrespect. Yeah. You can't praise a caterpillar and disrespect a yeah. cocoon. But, Which but, is kind of a, a his, his his own self diss really because he's admitting that he's the cocoon stage. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> but bottom line to me is always it always comes back to the fact that he never got hired again. Uh-huh. And you could argue that like you're right. There is a there is a discourse there between black and white coaches, and some of them never get a second chance. Yep. I think when that whole thing came out about he was his assistant was recording. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Mark Mark Jackson didn't get a second chance for good reason, man. Yeah, there is just it's just one of those things where when that happens it's just like, uh, you know what? Maybe this guy isn't the right guy. I just I don't know. Yeah. It just at a certain point it's just like, ah, uh, maybe that's not the right thing. And then it's not really that, you know, not not that surprising. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, there you go. Also Nick Nurse not doing enti- things entirely different from Dwayne. That's No, I think a lot of it is still somewhat similar. Really, it'll be all. It'll all come up down to the playoffs. I mean, if you look, if you look at the last three years of, of Casey's run, every season was was marked by like a different thing he had to do. 
Yeah. And, and a different team, a different sort of way to roll with the personnel. Like last year's team was different from this year's team. The team two years ago was very different. It had to deal with a lot of different things. Mm. And then before that, had like, like a very sort of established identity and went as far as, you know, like each season had a different flavor. And even though the, some of the players were the same, the continuity of the team just kept sort of going along. It just, mm-hmm. we look at it and go, oh, yeah, but then it got, they got smoked in the playoffs. Yeah, is it running against LeBron James, the best player of all time? I mean, yeah, yeah. what are you going to do? And Kevin Love, you know, uh, you, I don't know how I, you would stop him with CJ Miles. I, oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> Next question. Next question. No, that's it. That's it. We're done for questions. We're done for the oh, podcast. Okay. Reynolds, thank you for coming on the show. Um, it's, it's a shame you couldn't head over to uh, this lovely neighborhood that I know you love so much, man. Could have gotten a pint at, uh, you know, the local greater establishment, the greater good. Yeah, I'm gonna shout out the greater good. Maybe they'll maybe they'll give me a. I don't know. Maybe. Quick... You know what? Honestly, just give us like a free pint of something. Yeah. Uh, probably Blood Brothers. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, actually, just you know, Blood Brothers. Actually, just down the road. Just just. <laughs> Let's just get a keg or something. Get them all in on it, and maybe we'll get deals from all those places. That's right. Um. Yeah. I mean, look. Why would you do this media thing without the without the free clout? Exactly. You know? McDonald's sent me a T-shirt the other day. I was very happy. What? Wow! Is that yeah. for your job? No. They, they, <laughs> are you they, are you changing they, careers, my friend? No, no. They they asked me about it. And they said because obviously they got this. They got a promotion with the Raptors. Uh huh. I got a random email from some McDonald's PR person. Really? They sent me a T-shirt and one of those uh, foam, uh, you know, three you know three fingers up. You know, the Raptors, the three ball celebration. Uh huh. A tote bag that looks like a box of fries. So I'm uh, I'm happy. Okay, well, McDonald's. I'm disappointed that uh, you haven't reached out to this podcast to do that. I'm very disappointed in you guys. You know. Yeah. Meanwhile, I very much appreciate uh, people like Jacob who works at um, Propeller Coffee, which is just down the road, actually, also in the neighborhood, lovely Lansdowne, uh, yeah. around Lansdowne, and uh, just around Lansdowne Station, which is probably the worst run subway station in Toronto. It yeah. always smells like pee, regardless yeah. of how much it rains. It just keeps smelling like pee. Um, but yeah, I mean, not the not the propeller coffee uh, coffee shop. That that place does not smell like pee. It's a great place. It's a great place. And uh, really shout out it. Jacob. You're really selling it. Yeah, there you go. No, just the station. The station is awful. I, I'm I'm at that station every day. It's so bad, man. I walk down to the coffee time on Bloor and, and catch the bus from there instead, just so I don't have to smell that place. Well, uh, yeah, we we uh, admi- I admire your sacrifice. Well, you it's a, it's a hard life to be bloggers. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Reynolds, follow, uh, follow Reynolds uh, on Twitter at aka Reynolds. Um, aka underscore Reynolds, please. I don't know, man. You don't even tweet that much anymore. You know, when TIFF is over, your, your tweet rate goes down significantly. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I guess if you have to, after you've read everything on Raptors Republic twice, maybe check out Raptors HQ. They do have some redeemable writers. Thank you. Some. So, but not not Reynolds. Oh, wow. Okay, let's just end it now, please. All right, All right that's enough. Good night. All right. Thanks for having me on. Good night, guys. All right. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden 
from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at mrsmyers.com. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.